0: So I went to work today for almost the first time in a week. Oh And really? one, of my co- one of my coworkers said, nice beard. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do it, really. Well, last Wednesday was when the leg went out. So I, went, I was in last Wednesday. And then Thursday and Friday, I was sick. Although Friday, technically, I was at Comic-Con. Yeah. And then on uh, Monday, I was going into work. And I was hit by waves of nausea on the 401 as the wife was driving me in. And I'm like this is not going to happen. <laughs>
1: no. See, in in the Canadian Navy, there's a rule where you're allowed to have uh, a beard, but you're not allowed to grow a beard. If that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. Hello Welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that, really, you should listen to on random. Not that not that we have a playlist option anywhere. I almost built one, but then it was stupid, so I didn't. But you should listen to the whole corpus on random.
0: Just shuffle that. Just shuffle it.
1: Just shuffle it right up.
0: 50, 52, pick up that SOB.
1: Exactamente, but I'm Scott.
0: He is, and I'm Justin.
1: And that's it for tonight. we are I don't know when we'll stop running lean, but assume lean shows for a while.
0: But, but enjoy them while they last.
1: Oh yeah, en- enjoy this tight, direct flavor of our show before we go crazy. Probably over summer. <laughs> probably.
0: It'll all be Hawaiian shirts and mojitos and talking about the phase three shenanigans.
1: Phase three shenanigans and Hawaiian shirts and not mojitos because <laughs> they're well.
0: It's, it's a summery drink and you can get fresh mint. I'm just throwing something out there. I'm sorry.
1: Look, I I I just feel bad for anyone who ever has to make one.
0: Is the muddling is the muddling as troublesome as I would have think?
1: Look, I, I I tended bar for three years with carpal tunnel. Ah yeah yeah like like there's nothing that makes you weep quite so much as three blackberry mojitos it's, it's it's
0: not sounding like fun at this point
1: oh no it it is it is not fun it is it is the anti fun
0: well all right you heard that folks don't order mojitos
1: order other you know nice there's many be- other other things
0: many beverages in this world
1: there are many options that on that will make your bartenders not hate you. Just overall, um, it, ideally, you try to look at the cash price of the drink and the amount of time that you think it takes to make, and that that's what you want to. <laughs> you kind of want to balance those two factors.
0: Something in your budget that's
1: quick. Yeah, I, ideally, because you know, I, I cu- come back coming back around to my career that I've since left and hopefully never have to return to, because what I say now will ruin it for everyone. (laughs) Uh, Just just ruin it for me and ruin my reputation. But I'm fucking sorry. A virgin piña colada makes the restaurant $5. It makes me five cents, so that shit can die in a goddamn fire.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. I have enjoyed those. I enjoy piña coladas and getting caught in the rain.
1: That song is about horror people.
0: It's not about horrible people. It's about two people who've been together for a very long time and just lost the click. They think that's the thing, they think they think they're not there for each other anymore, but they really are.
1: Yeah, except they had to find that through what?
0: Uh attempted infidelity. Shut up! <laughs> it's music. It's music. It's la 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 la
1: la. I will endorse Wagner, a noted proto-Nazi and anti-Semite, before the Pina Colada song.
0: That's that's definitely a strong stance, there, Scott. Uh, No, I actually don't
1: endorse Wagner. But the the people I endorse before before Wagner is also pretty long.
0: I I mean, like Wagner, his politics are is is the his politics and the politics he inspired pretty terrible, kind of Uh, the worst. I, without Wagner, there's no, uh, what's there's, opera doc? And really, do we want to live in that world?
1: Well, I mean, it's not even like losing what's opera doc. We lose Star Wars. Okay. But, I, I'm not familiar with that connection, but please. Uh, okay. So John Williams is perhaps, you know, known for crafting a theme for yes. characters and plot elements. Of course. the, the These, the, this, this is called leitmotif.
0: Dun, 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 dun,
1: dun. And before this gets a little too YouTube essay, uh, because again, <laughs> I won't do YouTube because I have this stress it right here. Uh leitmotif is a thing you, you may guess by uh, how I say the word is a thing Wagner made up. <laughs> just woke up one day. Just what wh- if when some guy comes on the screen, the music happens? What if when someone has the ring? It plays the song about the ring, and I keep oh. doing this for the whole thing. And then the Valkyries, and then also, you know, yeah. You and this is the essence of romantic theatrical music, which is the tradition that John Williams uh, totally wrecked the shit out of.
0: Uh, yeah, but he also made the theme to Jaws I mean that's uh nothing wrong with that
1: yeah it, that that's what I'm saying It's that John yeah, Williams is op is totally operating in the operatic tradition that Wagner gave him, and you know we the world's worse without john williams it is it is, but anyway, pick of the week what you got, Justin
0: well, I was uh working uh trying Comic Con this past weekend,
1: yeah, had a very enjoyable
0: time. And I picked up from one of the retailers there a copy of a fun little game called Lovecraft Letter,
1: which is Love Letter but with tentacles.
0: But with tentacles, yeah. So I am a big Love Letter stan, and it uh, it is more of that, and it's fun. So yeah, let's 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 say that's my pick because uh, it's you know you've got more cards, and cards have effects for sanity and insanity, and it's Cthulhu and it's the first Cthulhu thing I've seen in a while that didn't make me go, "Is it more Cthulhu?" Oh God, it is. The Cthulhu never ends. I, I,
1: again, the doom that came to Atlantic City, right? Yeah. Just you know what you know what the crushing despair of real estate capitalism needs—tentacles. <laughs> tentacles. <laughs> tentacles. Uh, that is actually a very good point. I mean, I, I, I honestly think the ten- tentacles take away from the point of monopoly. <laughs> We're better off without them. You're you're supposed to hate Monopoly because fuckers keep getting richer, not because oh, and then, you know, Haster shows up and makes everybody go fiddly foo.
0: Can I can I make just so if since since we've 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 weeded off into the tangents of Cthulhu. Yeah. I've always pronounced his name Nyarlat Hotep because he's supposed to be Egyptian. And Hotep is an Egyptian word. And whenever our Mutual acquaintance, and GM refers to him as Nyarlathotep, I clench, tight, very tight. Pretty sure I'm going to give him an anal fissure
1: the next time he does. See, I'm with you on this. Um, there was, there's a cluster of streamers I follow pretty close, and one of the things they used to do was this uh, video series where they would sit down, write a script... And then for, for like a one minute sketch, co- uh, a, a one minute long comedy sketch, and then they would go film it and then edit it in the space of like three hours. This this was like a thing they would do on Twitch. Okay. And um, one of their sketches is just two people staring out the window and uh, riffing on the idea that you know Lovecraft's elder gods aren't all that horrifying in a world where I mean. 2018
0: so there well i mean to be totally honest that was my concept of the whole thing when i learned about them like this is scary but uh there's a senile man in the white house who could press a big red button and kill us all so
1: not that scary so part of the struggle is that in the midst of writing it they all have to that three people the the guy who pitched the original seed and the two actors have to navigate pronouncing the names of various Lovecraftian gods. And there's an active Twitch chat trying to assist. Let's say assist is the word. Yes. Assist is the word to help them towards that. So when the Egyptian comes up... (laughs) Uh... I I'm I I come on board with you and get a little salty about the other three options that might be equally valid, but you know Hotep we we know Hotep we know Hotep yeah, that's we a just, word that that's that's a that's a suffix we are familiar with in Egyptology so we just need to navigate the first half of that
0: yeah so, well we, let's assume Lovecraft was a uh, young Californian. And it sounds like gnarly. Yeah. So gnarly-hotep.
1: Yeah, gnarly-hotep is as valid as Cthulhu, really, (laughs) because we have an audio recording of good old Howard Phillips trying to say that word, and it's way different from any of us.
0: He has that crazy Midwestern accent, though.
1: And he he coughs in the middle, and I'm like, is that on purpose or just he coughed?
0: That's how you pronounce it. (laughs)
1: Cthulhu. Yeah yeah, just just wet throat noises. <laughs>
0: I think I think actually, its pronunciation guide included that was it was written down. Wet throat noises.
1: Yeah, it, it it's like when you when you uh, see X's in certain romanizations of African languages, and that's where you go like, whoo. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh. I guess it's I guess it's back to me.
0: Hey, Scott, what's your pick of the week?
1: All right. So, pick of the week for me is I, I don't think I've had an opportunity to mention this on the podcast proper, but uh, Greenland Turns DC Comics series. Um, okay. Uh, and the pitch for it is uh, because of whatever bullshit DC space event that no one gives a shit about, it happened in the summer and no one read it. People bought it because there were a bunch of, you know, variant covers or whatever. But bullshit space <laughs> bullshit DC space thing happens and the guardians of OA are gone. And so all the
0: God damn it, they owed me twenty bucks.
1: Yeah, they owed they owed everyone twenty bucks.
0: <laughs> so
1: uh all the Green Lanterns with names and backstories have to go find them. Okay. Uh leaving uh Simon Baz who you might recall as the Green Lantern, what carries a Glock. Yeah. And new character Jessica Cruz, the Green Lantern with crippling anxiety <laughs> to, be, uh, to be responsible for defending Earth in the absence of everyone who is competent and or Guy Gardner. I,
0: now, I just need to go, I don't know anything about Cruz except she's an okay character in DC Legends.
1: That's, that's a fair assessment.
0: That is the extent of my familiarity with her. Yeah. But uh, I think the, the the term Green Lantern with crippling uh, what was the term you used? Anxiety. Anxiety? I Did they like get rid of the whole person without fear part of it? Because I'm pretty sure that was like a big qualification.
1: Well, th- this, this is why I am attracted to this character because she wandered in from like Marvel or Valiant or somewhere, right? <laughs> this idea that Oh, your superpower is willpower, but also for reals, anxiety. It takes you two days to get out of the house. Is is is? It's the start of the book, and yeah, it. She she she's building up, and she's always good. Uh, like Green Lanterns, the series keeps building up in cool ways. Yeah, especially it for a guy who does not give a fuck about the Green Lanterns. See my point about bullshit DC space event. Um, I I was
0: I was big on GLs for a while, but uh, stopped after Rebirth.
1: Well, it's almost like Jeff Johns is not interesting.
0: (laughs) Or was it New Fifty Two? I stopped
1: after one of them. Yeah, one of them. But yeah, uh, it's it's this ongoing thing where uh, and Jess shows up in Justice League, and she's fun on that too. But it is interesting to see her uh, incorporate into the greater Baz family, where it's like. There there's um some sort of Lebanese festival and Simon's trying to make dessert for his grandma and somehow Jessica is just like, Look, I know how to bake and work around limited resources because I have severe anxiety and want to eat cookies but not buy things <laughs> because that means going outside. So sure. she so she's got like nine hundred workarounds and she gets the thumbs up from grandma baz. If About,
0: there's if there's a cooking sequence, I am deeply interested in this.
1: There there is a cooking sequence and a recurring pattern where Simon Baz and Jessica get waffles after they do space adventures.
0: That works.
1: Yeah, it's it's tr- it's Buddy Cops without having to rely on the obvious wedges in Buddy Cops. Like it's a fun book. It's a fun book.
0: It's, and Green Lanterns is the title.
1: Yeah, with an S because. Because it's not the 90s anymore. Yeah, and also they use Zeds. Where, where, where they would use a Z. Honestly, if Guy Gardner had a book today called Green Lanterns with a Zed, I would look at it. Probably not buy it. <laughs>
0: you would be delighted by the existence of this
1: thing. I would be delighted that someone realized that Guy Gardner will be stupid forever. Yeah. And will just own that. Gardner seems yeah. like the kind of guy who gets shouted at by the commissioner a lot. God, if if the guardians of wherever were just the grizzled commissioner <laughs> all the time, I come back to yes, the Green Lanterns are space cops,
0: but <laughs> don't only... don't put apostrophes around that. They are space cops, okay, and they're like not fascist cops, okay. They are well, space okay. cops.
1: I'm they they are space cops, and some of them are maybe fascists. Who gives Sinestro a badge? His name's fucking Sinestro. <laughs> but again, if if they really wanted to be space cops, they'd own all the cops tropes and just do that. In, yes, and make me happy. But Jeff Johns is in charge, so no, I can never be happy.
0: There is no joy to be found in Jeff Johns' verse.
1: Jeff Johns, there is no happiness. But speaking of happiness, uh, speaking of
0: happiness,
1: our main topic for the evening of our recording, you can listen to this whatever. I, I recommend the mid-afternoon, honestly. Uh, yes,
0: evenings when we're recording, audit, you can listen, middle of the day, you can listen deep into the night, you can listen first thing in the morning while you're eating your breakfast and doing your uh, elliptical run.
1: Yeah, what whatever, whatever whatever's your bag, buddy.
0: Just don't do those at the same time, because you'll
1: make a mess. I don't know. I, I feel there's got to be a breakfast that combines with elliptical, probably some sort of oatmeal bar. Possibly. I. I or a smoothie. I don't know. Anyway, so our recording for tonight uh, is about Edgar Wright's um, first three movies, which I think he calls the Cornetto Trilogy.
0: First three movies, not including Scott Pilgrim.
1: Not yeah, skipping Scott Pilgrim. The three he did that were all him, not necessarily collaborating with outside forces. Because I think Tintin's in the middle in there, too. And there's an episode coming about Tintin one of these years.
0: Excellent. We should do it soon before the universe completely forgets about it. Man. As I strongly suspect it's one of those things that will be quickly forgotten.
1: We got that movie, and I was happy we got that movie, but... I think the steam's gone now. Like oh, Belg like Belgium's is sitting there. Oh, we got rather a good movie out of this. I think we are done. Uh, but no. So uh, I think Edgar calls it
0: waffles. The...
1: Yeah, I think Edgar calls it the Cornetto trilogy. But I've always liked the Blood and Ice Cream label.
0: Yes. Well, that's probably much more
1: popular in the uh,
0: in America.
1: Uh, and also, it just sounds cool. It does. It sounds pretty rad. So Edgar Wright, a guy who made. A kind of mostly okay comedy about about weirdos living in London. He made it. Okay, TV I I about, know
0: you're not talking about space because that was delightful.
1: Well, that's it. He, Edgar Wright makes a TV show about weirdos living in London, and it's great. It is. It is full of things that you know wouldn't make it on TV outside of London.
0: But no, they are. they're a different place.
1: They're, they're a different place where they'll just, you know, give anyone eight episodes as long as, you know, it, it gets a few laughs in general. And, yeah, no, so he makes Spaced, this thing um, that, you know, every, everyone should take a look check at. It out. Check good. it out. It's good. It's good. It's,
0: it's a UK show, so there's, like, what, seven episodes?
1: Like six and a half, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it It's this... Small little thing for Channel Four, where a guy who wants to draw comic books pretends to be married to a woman who want, who thinks she can write a novel, uh, to get a good 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 price on rent, because yes, the price Cause of, they can, because the price of rent is just you know that's nothing, that's something no one can relate to, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, in this in this era, yeah, no, the rent is too damn high.
1: And, um, you know, there's, there's some good bits. There's a great techno remix of the A-Team theme. Um, yes. There's a, there, ab, there's there's an a gunfight? Abs- there's an absolutely brilliant just pointing fingers at each other gunfight. Iconic. Iconic, and why I had the utmost faith in him to do, well, the second movie in the trilogy.
0: Yes. I but, think I actually may have seen... Go ahead.
1: No, no, dude, say, say the thing. I think I actually saw a Hot Fuzz before I saw Shaun of the Dead. Weird, because I think... Okay, so Shaun of the Dead is the first one. It and, is. And it, it's a great one. It is, it is a delight. It is. He calls it a zombie comedy um, mm-hmm. in that a it zom- is... A zomcom? A zomcom. A rom-zomcom. Because it is the broadest strokes of a romantic comedy in that an immature schlub must gain maturity to gain a girl uh but in the middle of that the zombie apocalypse breaks out so his maturity is mostly his ability to um manage the crisis of zombies and by manage the crisis we mean uh hide out somewhere for about a day and a half and let the army take care of it which is
0: uh fine mom no well <laughs> i can't remember how it goes just wait to the wait the Winchester until this all blows over.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's just, we'll just have a nice cuppa until then, until this all blows over. Which, I'm sorry, Doomsday Preppers, either the state fixes it in 36 hours, or nothing goes well for anybody.
0: Society is over.
1: Everything's over, and I know you think that's great, but tell me you know how to make toilet paper. <laughs> from scratch. Please.
0: I hope that would be on page one of the Prepper's Handbook.
1: It's not. It's mostly about paracord. I don't know what you do with paracord beyond wear it around your wrists and ankles and keychains. But you need, like, 9,000 miles of it on you at all times.
0: Well, I guess it must be Andy, then.
1: I mean, maybe, someday, eventually. So what we're saying is,
0: he... the world begins to go funny. And the best part of this film... Is that as the world begins to go funny, he doesn't notice.
1: Well, this is it. It's we are part of the point, and zombie is always a little. Zombie movies should always be a little bit satire. Is that we are in the habit of not noticing that we're all kind of wandering around on autopilot. The opening montage of guys just doing their jobs on reflex is married with a montage of people of undead doing their jobs on Reflex, and there's really no difference except for the makeup. Yes. So this idea that, oh man, that guy who we saw, who bit me coming home from the pub at 4.30, <laughs> he, was, he was a bit off kilter. He was probably on the bath salts. Who else would bite someone?
0: That makes no sense. No one bites people. Who does
1: that? That's, he's on the drugs, and we were drunk and out late, so we probably deserve to be bitten a little bit.
0: There may have been a bite coming, I don't know, no one deserves to get a chomp, but still, it's to be expected, that's modern life. Yeah. Eventually, eventually, you're gonna go, this guy took a bite out of me.
1: And again, looping back around to the, even the morning where the outbreak is in full swing, just slapping change on the counter for what you need as you wander past the corner store, man.
0: Yes. Not noticing the bloody handprint on the freezer door.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You know, and he literally, he, he slips on a pool of blood too, and kind of just,
1: yeah, like the, the human capacity to ignore actual problems might be the real satire here,
0: but it was. It is a delightful uh, zombie comedy,
1: and it's it's got Dylan Morin in it, and anything with Dylan Morin in it, that that's right, that's good.
0: He's the roommate, right?
1: Uh, Dylan Morin is uh, the lecturer that everyone assumes okay. is an accountant because he looks like one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he, oh yes, and he gets eviscerated and pulled out a window.
1: Yeah, and of course Martin Freeman's in it, playing a frustrated <laughs> everyman.
0: Now, I, my one of my favorite bits is when he meets his girlfriend's similar group.
1: Oh, yeah, the opposite, the opposite crew. Yes, yeah, that that's great.
0: It is a delight. The girlfriend, uh, the ex, is played by uh, uh, his lead, his co lead from
1: Space. Yes, Jessica Hines Stevenson. Like this is like they they reserve a bunch of bit parts for people who are if you follow British TV comedy it's like oh that guy he led a whole series for nine and a half episodes and a, <laughs> Christmas, a, series. And a Christmas and a special. Christmas
0: special yes two thousand and three this is two thousand four Yvonne is her character's name yeah yes
1: uh, I think the I, I'm I'm going to come back to the highlight being um. Them smacking zombies to Queen—that
0: was a delightful one.
1: Like, like for all the things Edgar Wright does right, um, it, it's his ability to use music and other non-script elements to great effect to tell a joke. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get to this in Hot Fuzz, I think, but uh, my my central piece is about Edgar Wright, uh, in in Hot Fuzz. But no, Shaun of the Dead, I came out in 2003, and I think I watched it to fucking death mm-hmm. because because you know it was just you'd find someone who hadn't seen it and you'd have to show them. And well, of course. And so after two years between you know high school and university, just showing everyone possible this movie. I burned out on it. Like, I was just tired. I was done. It hurt me to think about it. And I'm like, it can't have been that good. I was just overhyped and enthusiastic, as is my nerdish way. Oh, you know. As we do. Uh, And then, revisiting it, basically sometime around 2014, I was like, no, no, this is fucking amazing. Still incredible. This is really really tight, and no one has learned the lessons from Edgar Wright, because they're hard.
0: Did you, uh, just to dial back to space for a quick second, do you own it, or have you just watched it?
1: I, in in sort of the gap between, um, in the gap between Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, I was like, Hey, someone said, hey, did you know Edgar Wright made this thing called Spaced? You should find it. And so, I found it. As you did in 2004, I mean... Of course.
0: You acquired a. You acquired a digital version.
1: You you can imagine how a 2004 person might watch British television. Yes. It was probably that.
0: Yes. Back in the day, children.
1: You could not watch British television without numerous hurdles.
0: Without one or two, perhaps, extra legal options being put
1: on the table. And an extra virus scanner. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: just the DVDs include commentaries by a great variety of people. Uh he does one with Tarantino, uh he does one with uh with uh, he does one with Patton Oswalt and it's like Patton Oswalt is not really on top of everything. It's kind of actually uh embarrassing. Yeah. Or was it Kevin Smith? I can't remember. One of the commentaries was a little awkward.
1: Well, i believe Kevin Smith because circa 2004 that guy was not right.
0: But uh, apparently, I also did one with Seth MacFarlane, and I'm like, I've never listened to that one, probably, because I hate him. Oh, he did do one with Batman as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, there you go. Remember but yeah, the it's era a...
1: where DVD commentaries were cool and interesting, and you could get anyone on them? Yes. Netflix, well, I, am... I appreciate what you've done for... in many ways, but you've killed DVD bonus features.
0: Oh, my God. I was so disappointed. Well, we bought something that I didn't really like. Justice League. We bought Justice League, and there's no commentary on it. There's, like, some bonus features and stuff, but, I mean, yeah, that actually makes sense. It'd probably be hard to figure out who to get on.
1: You know, I feel like you just, like, honestly, just get Jason Momoa. Like, sure. Like, get the cast on it and just let them say whatever.
0: <laughs> just to, to hypnotize Ben Affleck so he's the same guy who did the commentary on the Criterion Edition of uh, Armageddon.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, uh,
0: but yeah, Shaun of the Dead. I am not someone who loves zombie films, so that I like is like
1: about an... three. I like about three zombie movies. There you go. This is one, probably yes. my favorite.
0: It is. It's a very good. It it tells a good story. Sean is such a relatable character. Simon Pegg in the first and third films in this series plays such relatable guys.
1: Well, again, he plays guys. They're so Sean is so real. Where it's yeah. He, he he fell into full time retail <laughs> just not on purpose, but just because. And now he's not anyone's manager, but he's still more senior than anyone else, so he has to whip up disaffected youth of Britain.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes to pick whip up the part time retail staff.
1: And that that's super fucking real. It's just oh man. I want to be good to my mom, but, you know, I don't know how to do that. And also, my stepdad and I have never got on. And that's that's like an adult Children of Divorce moment, right? Mm. Yeah.
0: Oh, Philip. He was, uh... See, that's the thing. It's... At the end, Sean... you realize Sean really never gave him a chance... He seems like a decent. I mean, he's a bit of a prick about his car and stuff. But really, he even
1: says it's like I think I was too late to have earned a chance.
0: Yeah, like he, he
1: he gets it and he forgives him, and then he's just gone. Then he becomes a zombie, and they have to the fragility of the human experience <laughs> and skull.
0: Yes, like, and then they, is... they, they and then the hilarious sequence where they attempt to beat him with a. Uh... With a one of those little ball on a rope thingies. <laughs> yes,
1: and Sean really has gut punches. I mean, I think I spent a lot of horror movies waiting for the jerks to die, and well, I mean, Phil gets whacked with their record collection. Yes, but so many of the jerks prove themselves to be people.
0: Just yeah, it's like the eternal lesson. Just because you don't get along with someone doesn't mean that either of you is a bad person. Although sometimes
1: well,
0: that is the case. But...
1: but always remember, dogs can look up. So Hot Fuzz, which yes, I mean, so Shaun of the Dead is a op- opportunity to showcase the talent of British comedy television that you might not see anywhere, anywhere, anywhere else for any reason. Uh, until
0: hot, sorry, yes, Sean. The, sorry.
1: In, until this movie, Hot Fuzz yes. is just straight up talent all the way down.
0: Yes, some would some would point out there's at least four Academy Award winning actors in this film.
1: <laughs> just just real like real names and yes. power, and it is. God, I don't even know how to talk about Hot Fuzz except to say that we 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 come to my thesis about Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright, because he is writer, director, editor, uh, and also funny, he not only writes a joke, he directs a joke and edits a joke. Which is to say that he can make you laugh with B-roll and musical elements in a way that not even people we assume to be comedy directors can or do.
0: Do you have an example you'd like to share?
1: Well, uh, of someone
0: who doesn't quite have the same ability.
1: Well, you know what? Fuck it. I'll throw Paul Feig under the bus for the day. Like, like straight up, Pineapple Express is kind of the same movie. it's kind of the movie that Hot Fuzz. It wants to be the movie that Hot Fuzz is, but Pineapple Express relies entirely on Seth Rogen being entertaining on his own at for nine hours a day, and just rolling from there. Right, as opposed to Edgar Wright being able to tell a joke just by watching the num, watching uh, you know Sergeant Angel's cell phone re- reception get you know worse, like and worse. worse and worse, and <laughs> worse as he and his plant roll away from London. <laughs> and- let's see what the team has to say about this. <laughs> yes,
0: sorry. Yeah, okay. and you don't think Fike has anything equivalent in his. He, he he
1: he! I'm not going to say he can't write a joke because he can't. He's written jokes, and he's yes. he's good at collaborating with his actors, and that's great. But when the shooting's done, it's just about putting the jokes in order and not about finding ways to communicate funny beyond the words. And I think because Edgar Wright is always looking for ways to be funny with cuts, with with timing in the edits, with you know, again, B-roll footage of just the Vodafone meter going down. Uh, he,
0: so I'm assuming their signals really
1: bad outside of London. I don't... Yeah. I, I. Well, I imagine that's almost on purpose, because the story of the yeah. movie is about, you know, conservative rural England being extra conservative in the face of modernity. Because there are themes here. Yes, Edgar writes a great communicator, and he makes us laugh all the way through, but it's like, "Oh, there's this moment of wait, this this town's going out of its way to be quaint. What does that do to its population? Oh, yeah. they're either deeply repressed <laughs> or dead. It puts them in a uh, lime pit under the church, yeah, Yarp, yarp
0: That is one of my favorite things about this movie <laughs> is when people say that's the hound." <laughs>
1: No, my favorite thing about this is Timothy Dalton. Yes, he's also delightful. He's just so slimy. It's fun to watch him.
0: Must stop me. I'm a slasher.
1: Of prices! And we come back to that moment, the gunfight in Spaced, where I'm like, Oh yeah, no, this movie can make a cop. This man can make a cop movie. Where, you know, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost shoot up a whole town. <laughs> and it's like, remember that scene in Spaced? What if he had squibs and pyrotechnics? <laughs> <laughs> and a swan. <laughs> oh, that swan.
0: <laughs> and and although we will, at any given moment, be happy to acknowledge the performing genius that is Simon Pegg, we must also, when reviewing this trilogy, make note that Nick Frost is a delight.
1: Oh, he, he's just good. At, he, anytime it comes up, he's good. Doesn't matter what he's doing; he's good.
0: It, these first two films, he does they they do feed him mostly from the bull marked slovenly. Yeah. Well, he's not, Danny is not as slovenly. He's more of a
1: slacker. Yeah. Just coasting on his dad. Like he he's definitely a type.
0: He's more uptight in the third one. Well, the third
1: the third one is a pivot for both, and yes, it's good they did that.
0: Now I want to make I want to say one thing about Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Uh I have purchased it three times.
1: Three. Okay.
0: Three. Uh first time was on DVD. Yeah. The single disc DVD, which I then loaned to a friend who moved to Texas. Jerk. Jerk. Uh but thankfully I then found the three disc Blu-ray, which flips open like a policeman's notebook. Sorry, the three disc DVD, which flips open like a policeman's notebook. It is one of my favorite pieces of DVD presentation. In the visual sense and the physical sense. And then I bought the Blu ray, which is everything on it on one disc.
1: Because it's a Blu ray and they're literally a triple capacity.
0: Yes, because they are
1: better. They're straight better. Yes.
0: So, yes. And, you know, I'm pretty sure if, like, Criterion ever does it, I'll buy that.
1: Oh, if Criterion does these, take my money and run. <clears throat> take it. And
0: run. I mean, oh, my God. They, they could do is... the entire trilogy.
1: I mean, this is true of many Criterion products, but oh, a thing I already love—just take my money.
0: Yes. So you're a clever Criterion, but have you done a three film? You have. Oh, well, fine. I'll take one and one for the road.
1: Yes, I, I, I suppose I'm gonna have to buy two now.
0: <laughs> but yes, it is, and and those discs are packed full. Like there are, you know, I think he just looked over at Peter Jackson and said, "Yeah, okay." Bonus features are cool. I'll do that too. Well,
1: and again, um, I, I don't think <clears> Edgar Wright would call himself an auteur, because he's not, you know, all Frenchified like that. But not fancy. He, not fancy. He's not fancy. He's just a man who wants to make films. Uh, but as he's a writer, director, editor, bit part player, he's kind of got the opportunity to construct everything he wants the way he wants it, so when you ask him to explain why he does things, well, you get the pop-up video track where he just points out all the numbers and X's in Scott Pilgrim, don't you?
0: <laughs> oh, do they have that?
1: Yeah, there's Is a pop- that... Scott Pilgrim has a pop-up video track. Okay, I have to rewatch that.
0: But, uh... Yes, I
1: uh, was very fortunate to see him
0: present these two films, oh. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, in Toronto during the filming of Scott Pilgrim.
1: One of those tiff nights, or not uh, the Bell Light Lightbox nights.
0: Not even. Uh, oh. This was just at the uh, the place on Bloor. Oh. And you know he played some uh, he played some uh, trailers, and he talked about them afterwards, and. I, once again, like I do every time I go to a Q&A, cowered it up and did not ask, so are you looking forward to making Ant-Man? Which is a good thing,
1: because that did not turn out like anyone hoped. It's, I was excited for Ant-Man because it was another Edgar Wright movie. And Ant-Man's not bad, but could have had an Edgar Wright movie.
0: Yeah, I think it could have worked well if he'd been at the helm, but we got the film we got, and that gave us Paul Rudd.
1: And, those... using... and the scenes with Louis Peña. Yes. Where he narrates stuff. Oh, those are beautiful. And those are beautiful, and those weren't in the script, so, I mean, we got that.
0: Oh, those were not those were not rights creations?
1: Yeah, no, that uh, people assume it because it's super clever and involves really tight editing, but no. Yeah. No, that came after. It's, mm. it's the other guy saying, oh, this is super clever, and this movie's full of tight edits. Can we do something that matches that?
0: Mission accomplished.
1: And so they nailed that. And so,
0: and uh, so, the soundtrack for Sean, for uh, Hot Fuzz also very enjoyable.
1: Super great. Yes, does not rely on Queen, which no. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's only a few. There's there's not many movies that use Queen well. Shaun of the Dead being one of them, but
0: yes. Well, it's you know he usually he basically incorporates the rhythm like a musical sequence.
1: Well, I mean, uh, depending on our timing, we'll talk we'll talk about Baby Driver and how how he is. Learned from musicals in his own way.
0: Just but, he should just make a musical.
1: Well, he did make a musical. It was called Baby Driver. Yes, but but one where people <laughs> dance instead of car chases.
0: You know, I'm not. If I have to give up the car chases and Baby Driver, I'm okay if he doesn't make an actual traditional musical.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, but, I mean also uh, the Death Hall hipster sequence of Scott Pilgrim. That's also musical.
0: Which one?
1: Uh Death Hall Hipsters. Uh the second round of uh Chaos Theater where he's fighting all the all all, all the hipsters with the sword and you know it's the Anna Monoguchi remix of Launchpad McQuack.
0: Oh right. Yes.
1: That's a musical.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, nothing nothing unenjoyable in that film. Okay, that's not true, I'm sure there's some things that other people enjoy. Yeah, but I yeah.
1: So, so you know, e- Edgar Wright takes some time to make a Scott Pilgrim. Which, One second, whoop, but yes, sorry, and and then he makes a Tintin with mm-hmm. uh, some, Steven Spielberg with some Spielberg's and some Doctor Who people, and
0: and Simon Pegg.
1: and Simon Pegg. and and Peter Jackson, yes. and because Peter Jackson's there, <laughs> of course we get um, we get an appearance by, oh God, th- this would be so much funnier if I can remember the guy who played Gollum's name. Andy, Circus, Andy Serkis. Andy Circus Doing a great hap, Captain Haddock, despite having auditioned for the dog. <laughs> he, he says that joke, but I'm pretty sure he's Captain Haddock the whole time.
0: now, uh, 2011. Yeah,
1: so we we jump into The World's End, the end of the Blood and Ice Cream series. And this shit's real, man. This is, oh my god. Like, okay, so this movie is just a body snatcher's riff. Yes. In, in in no uncertain terms, it's them or the body snatch. Not them. then's the one with the big ants.
0: Them's the ants. Yeah, yeah.
1: Them. <laughs> the the one. But it is straight up invasion of the body snatchers. In again, maybe cat throwing some side eye at rural England for not being on board with the rest of England. Uh, yes,
0: it's very much a big city folk go to the small town. go back to the small town. Yeah. So this, all the characters were from this little town originally.
1: But this one's fucking real. Oh, God.
0: It's... There is... oh, It's a Sadness Sunday covered in
1: regret sauce. So so the story goes <clears throat> that uh, some friends tried to have a pub crawl at the end of high school. And these friends are, of course, phenomenally talented actors. Uh, Patty Consendine and Martin Freeman... As well as Nick Frost and Simon Pegg. Mm -hmm. And they didn't make it, but, you know, it it was, it was, it affirmed their bonds, and in the decades since, they've really drifted. Yes. And so, the one, Gary King, played by Simon Pegg, who is held true to who he was when he was 19.
0: Holy God. Yeah. I have, okay. I don't know if I noticed and forgot or just noticed now, but the last names, King, Knightley, Prince, Chamberlain, Page.
1: Yeah, they're playing on something there. There's a theme there. Because Edgar Wright knows how to do theme. Yes. Has has held true to his ideals. And he has woken up 20 goddamn (laughs) years later and realized that, man, I was going to be something. I was going to fucking matter. And what I thought when I was 19 was going to change the world. And here I am. Nothing from... Nobody from nowhere doing nothing. That hurts. Yeah. Because we've all stared that demon in the face.
0: (laughs) Stared into the mirror and said, Oh, 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 oh,
1: shit. And the real reveal on that is so slow and brilliant. Like, oh, hey, Gary's going out of his way to make us feel young again by tracking down that car we used to roll around in and that mixtape we used to listen to and oh no, still kept it all time. <laughs> yeah. Not why why change? And then we get the slow reveal that no no, the Thatcher era punk is right. The world's the world's making everybody worse. Everybody's the same and yeah, they're robots replaced by alien.
0: <clears throat> I mean the ending. Is disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who basically relies on a CPAP to live, I pretty much, I'd have to hope that the loss of uh, food distribution would mean that I would lose enough weight to not uh, not die <laughs> quickly.
1: Oh, yeah. If if you couldn't get wheat products, you'd be able to sleep again and you'd be fine. <laughs> yes. An absence of wheat is really what's happening. <laughs> oh. But no, this this also deals with addiction and suicide and painful in painful and real ways. Yes. Just the re- just even Peg being the banker who's so straight laced because yeah, the last time I wasn't straight laced, it went real bad for me, didn't it, Gary?
0: Oh man. No, it's it's like it's a it's funny moments are always funny. Yeah. But the sadness is Intense, uh,
1: super intense, powerful. Yeah, like this is it. But this movie, as much as oh, it's body snatchers, and then they finally confront the alien body snatchers and convince them that humanity can't be conquered because humanity don't put up with that shit. Man, he's not gonna stand for this. Yeah, we we all we all want to fucking laugh and screw, right? Yes. And we there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. So they leave and that's the end of the world. <laughs> and oops. Oops. But Gary, Gary gets his old friends back in the form of robots and he can just wreck people with a sword? <laughs> with that's... impunity? And that's all he ever needed in life?
0: Yes, uh, the destruction of society.
1: Well, I think I think you, even as much as we can sympathize with looking at ourselves in the mirror and realizing that we're way past who we thought we would be uh the ability to say oh my old mates and the ability to wreck people with swords and impunity that would make me feel better
0: <laughs> yeah there's a certain attractiveness to that i did i did like the the names of the pubs as they go along
1: oh yeah and just that like really,
0: the last one is the world's end
1: yeah but even, even that even that slow reveal of you know so what's the local what do you mean the local cuz every pub's the same because
0: They've been taken. They've, been taken, they've over. been taken over. Oh my god, they've
1: been taken over.
0: <laughs> I swear I have seen this film.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and also, just speaking as someone who... I, I don't mind the firkin chain of pubs, but I wandered into the one that didn't have the house ale, and I was like, wrong, and you lied to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you said you were this place, but you're not. Yeah,
1: the flat iron with your not having the house ale. What's wrong with <laughs> the- you?
0: Flat iron doesn't have the house ale? Yeah. I used to work over top of that place when it was a different... Before it was furconized. Before it was
1: In the 90s. When it got... For some reason, it resisted all furconization except what I will say is the best bit of furconization, which is the house ale, because it's just really light and refreshing. It tastes vaguely of apples.
0: I would uh, definitely have to give that a try sometime if I ever make my way one. We used to...
1: I mean, the last Furkin I was in was the Owl and Furkin. And Mm -hmm. I spent the whole time distracted by the fact that I was there during a con and all the author guests were just the table over. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm now sitting there trying to play it cool as it's like, oh, that's every famous person at. Yeah, that was an ad astra. (laughs) So it's every famous person at this con is also having their lunch break now. And I've just heard the story from the person who edited the Dresden Files role-playing game about editing the Dresden Files role-playing game. Well, there you go. And I'm like, I want to shake... I, I, I know Jim Butcher's right there, but I want to shake the editor of the Dresden Files role-playing game in his hand a lot more, because everything <laughs> I hear about the development of that game sounds crazy and they had a lot of work to do.
0: It, uh... Yeah, well, you know, the hobby is, is, is
1: a fascinating one to try and survive especially well that game was like 10 years in the making basically oh god so there, the the story i think I, I i reference when it comes to dress and plays role playing is the story of uh Lenny Balsera sitting in the middle of a pile of post it notes and novels in his underpants shrieking to the heavens that he's finally made the magic system made se- make sense
0: congratulations because you would hope that would be something that would click early on in the
1: development process i i think he 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 made the math work with the framework he already had. Yeah, but no. Um, the world, uh, yes. the world's end is twelve beers, and it's hard. It's fun in the middle, but it's hard at the start and the end.
0: Yeah. It uh, it was good. I have not rewatched it since I saw it in the theaters, which is almost six years now.
1: See, I I missed it in theaters for <clears throat> terrible reasons because obviously you should see Edgar Wright in the theater. But yeah, getting the Blu-ray and watching through it, it's like, oh, I want to go through all the bonus features because Anchorite right, putt just loads these up. It's a good dollar value for your movie. Yes, but this is this this this, this touches on stuff that is a little close to home. <laughs> oh, that's
0: no, it's yeah, no, there's not a lot of uh, the f- the famous cock, the crosshands, the good companions, the trusty servant. Oh, the first post. The old familiar. Ah. <clears throat> and all of the film, and all of the, uh... Yes. Now, were all of the pubs basically franchised up? Or were any of them still
1: reasonably... No, I, th- I think they were all franchised up. And I want to s- say that one of them has since become the name of a franchise of pubs. To maybe lean on that.
0: That, that insult to injury?
1: Yeah, just insult to injury on that.
0: Uh, hopefully Wright's getting a dime when that happens.
1: Oh yeah, if if he gets the a nickel from every pint poured at a at a World's End, he's he's well enough earned it.
0: I uh, one time I found one of those websites that says what is this famous person worth economically, yeah. and it said that he was very valuable because he invested his winning his takings from from space in London real estate, and then I realized. There is literally nothing to prove anything that what he this is saying is true. Like I, I think this is all bullshit, and I am going to close this website and never trust it over again, which I did. Oh, but,
1: I mean, uh, by taking your take. Okay, so you're a writer, director, showrunner on on Channel Four. So that's yeah. like a real paycheck. Uh, I'll say that's yeah. a real paycheck because you're top dog in in on a TV show, even if it is for you know nine and a half Christmas specials or whatever. <laughs> That, this is my new goal, is to pitch a show to the BBC that is only Christmas specials.
0: That's, uh, like, would it only show at Christmas, or would it just be normal broadcast scheduling, but every episode's Christmas special?
1: Okay, so the first year is six episodes, and it runs during the winter, winter but we act like every episode is the Christmas special? And then that works. For, and then for the next ten years, we keep dragging the cast together, or less and less of the cast together, to do the Christmas special.
0: I will watch it, and I will buy it on DVD. Well, my wife will buy it on DVD. She's very well, faithful.
1: Well, the BBC DVDs are quite expensive, so I expect I will earn fair shake of royalties on those.
0: Huzzah!
1: Huzzah! We shall all win. So, given that Scott Pilgrim was the first episode of this show ever, don't listen to that, <laughs> and that we'll get to Tintin one of these years.
0: One of these days.
1: I feel like we're not going to have a chance to talk about Baby Driver for a while, so let's do Baby Driver.
0: If I had any idea we were going to do Baby Driver, I probably would have watched it.
1: I've been listening to the soundtrack pretty much continuously since then. Okay. Because it's a good goddamn soundtrack.
0: Oh, it's very good. I had to construct it through uh, sheer will on Google Play Music because it did not; it was not on Google Play Music.
1: Oh, there we go. So, uh, except
0: for the original tunes,
1: yeah, uh, based on the original tunes. Uh, so Edgar Wright teams up with a whole bunch of new people, uh, including ridiculously talented, very big deal people.
0: Like I d- and and one of Hollywood's monsters.
1: Yes, and also Kevin Spacey. Fuck that guy. Yes, he's just like let's let's make a crime movie that is set to music, timed to music, very deliberately, and there will be now- car chases and it oh, will yes. have a crazy soundtrack.
0: Wait, he made Hudson Hawk.
1: He made Hudson Hawk, but more good, but yes. with the worst guy. But with.
0: Once again, you know, Bruce Willis isn't terrible. He's just not really. He He's just out of it.
1: Yeah. He's just out of it. He put in the most work in the Lego movie, too, honestly. He's he showed <laughs> up for that more than anything else.
0: They uh, call me the baby driver. They were making, uh, he was making a joke on uh, Twitter about the uh, Simon and Garfunkel cinematic universe because there was somebody else who was also making a film with a title of a Simon and Garfunkel song.
1: So now, I I mean, uh, I know most... I know I've gone out of the way to talk about theme in most of the other movies, but Baby Driver is just about being technically really good. It's all about just cutting to the beat to a painstaking degree. And and that's the whole movie. It's just, hey, yeah. let, let's just be really tight on these all the time, always. And,
0: you know, there's a lot of, it's, 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 you know, criminals can't be trusted. No,
1: fucking bats. As much as I I talk about, um, try to talk about theme in most of these movies, I think I appreciate Baby Driver only for being just really super techie. Just, just going out of its way to be, you know, just, just really working to be a music video musical thing with cars. (laughs) And one well, gunfight. I, one I gun think it was a great success with that. Yeah, it, it succeeded on all counts of that. Especially, you know, the gunfights at to Tequila.
0: Yes, where Jamie Fox's character yeah. goes, uh, proves that he cannot quite be
1: trusted. Yeah, fucking bats, man. Oh, uh, He was. Guys, that boy ain't right. <laughs>
0: uh. Was Was it him or was it Ham's character who took out? Uh... Species in a case of vehicular homicide.
1: I think it was Ham because he knew everything was gone by that point.
0: Okay, now um, he, he, I enjoyed him. He was, uh, he was an enjoyable villain. Yeah. But uh, did you find? Did you find the? Do you find romances work out in his films?
1: I mean, okay, okay. So the whole point of *John <clears throat> of the Dead* is that it has to work out, right? Because yes yeah. it's a romantic comedy, so they have to reconcile by the end. Um, but
0: did you did you find their relationship believable? Did it play true?
1: I don't know. There's something dreamlike. And again, maybe this is the just the musical quality, but there's something very dreamlike about the ending of this movie where, you know, he, he gets, he turns state's evidence and his deaf foster dad, you know, really ha- hammers it home for the jury. And the girl's just sitting there waiting for him at the end of it all.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Hot Fuzz, I find amusing that uh, Angel was supposed to have a romantic relationship, but they just took out the dialogue and gave it to Danny instead.
1: Well, yeah, because honestly, it's so, like, again, Nick Frost just sells that so well.
0: Yes. He is. He's a delight. And, and plus, their relationship is an incredibly, I all of us could do with having a, f- a friendship like Frost and Peg.
1: Just, just that real, that deep.
0: Yes, and that basically got turned into, uh, you know, got turned into their brand, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of weird to see Simon Pegg without him around. Not that I want the guys on Mission Impossible to create a character for Nick Frost or anything.
0: No, no, I'll do that. I, well, I believe, but that you would could, work. you could, yeah,
1: you could, and probably fine. You could honestly just give Ving Rames's line, line, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. There you go. Just, just see. Just try it for a day. No bing rain.
0: And uh, did you see Fri- fighting with my family?
1: No, I have not seen that yet.
0: Okay, very enjoyable. <clears throat> Great Nick Frost role. And uh, there's this one scene where he hits a guy in the balls with a bowling ball, and that could
1: have been Simon Peck, right there. Could have been.
0: But you know the uh, the performer they had playing the role was very good. Yeah.
1: So do we even know what Edgar Wright's doing next?
0: I looked on Wikipedia, and there was like a dozen things listed as currently, you know, yeah, but working on.
1: Yeah, that, that could be an image.
0: What did he say on Twitter lately? <laughs>
1: That's a better answer than oh, last night in So Soho, right?
0: Uh, Sparks official. Oh, he's doing something for a band. I don't know, Sparks.
1: Oh, a band doc, a band documentary. Yeah, yeah could be fun.
0: Uh, duh, no, duh. He's, damn it, Edgar! So much retweeting. <clears throat> uh.
1: Oh man, he's gonna he's gonna play a character in the Ducktales reboot. Well, there you go. That that's real, man. It's real.
0: Uh. Wow. Seriously, he's retweeting. Uh, okay. And oh, here's a picture of him with uh with the cast of Baby Driver, and. Uh well not the cast, just El Gort and uh Fox. <laughs> yeah. Please listen to this audio presentation of Edgar Wright's Twitter feed. Uh, okay. a retweet from Roso Matafeo, retweet from Kamel Nanjani, retweet of from Phil Forrest saying that uh the world's end will be broadcast.
1: Okay, so the short of it is his next movie is probably <clears throat> a horror film.
0: Which is good. Is it is it don't? No. Is he doing? Don't.
1: Unfortunately, what is he? He's not making. Why don't. don't
0: he do? Don't.
1: Why? Why was there not a grindhouse two where the other the trailers that didn't make it on their own got you know their own presentations?
0: Oh God, yes, I would see. That was the only Eli Roth movie I've ever been interested in seeing. Was Thanksgiving Day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's making a documentary on the cult pop band Sparks. Uh. <clears throat> His next film will be a horror thriller set in London. And okay. Yeah. Last Night in Soho, Anna Taylor-Joy, she is a talented performer. I liked her in Split and Glass, even though Glass was not. Nah. Uh, once again, uh, Bruce Willis <laughs> showed up a few days, cashed his check. It was better than, you know, most of uh, Shyamalan's last few films, but uh,
1: not as good as the film it was a sequel to. Yeah, well, it's almost like uh, Shaman Almalon has only made a couple good movies. It's can't can't reach that again. Well, uh, Split was very enjoyable. Everyone I says that. I don't believe that.
0: Well, you know, you believe what you wish. But uh, yeah, Split and I hear The Visit was good. But uh, yeah, before that, he was just disappointing us on such a consistent, powerful level.
1: All right, so that's us on Edgar Wright.
0: Well, the Cornetto Trilogy.
1: The Cornetto Trilogy. And a little baby driver.
0: Ooh, Matt Smith is going to be in La Zoho. Yes. There we go. Wow.
1: Yay. Yay. So this is us. Until next time with more things, like, comment, and also subscribe.
0: Subscriptions are great. You don't have to even fill out a little card and put it in the mail. What are you waiting for?
1: God, I mean, you can't even, you, you can't even, like, you don't even have to check off the COD option pretending you'll pay, but won't.
0: Yes. You don't have to invent a fake roommate uh, to join the uh, Columbia Record Club with. And then once the bills start coming in, say, oh, I don't know, man, he just moved out one day. He just
1: moved out. He just left. just left with a bunch of CDs. But I'm going to keep <laughs> his Peter Frampton. <laughs> uh, yes. Tell you what, if you send me a penny, I'll send you six tapes.
0: <laughs>
1: Won't tell you which tapes, but you'll get tapes.
0: At least one of them will have music on it. Uh, the rest will be my recordings of reminders to do before the end of the day.
1: And on that note, good night. And on
0: that note, which is a sharp B, it's
1: less clever. Less clever every time you say it.
0: Still very clever. Oh, I know. I can diminish an infinite amount
1: infinitely and it will still be infinite. For a second there I thought you were going to say diminish like a <laughs> type of chord where you are two tone like a tone and a half down.
0: Sure, yeah, that's exactly what I meant.
1: Like I periodically I will say I will, I will make sometimes I will try to make the joke that uh when someone says, "Oh, the 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 sound that started the universe," no one knows what it is, and it's like, "No, we all know perfectly well it's a diminished seventh of D," and no one realizes I'm talking about a hard day's night, <laughs> ah, because no one can actually agree on what that sound at the start of a hard day's night is.
0: It's a music. It's a Beatles music.
1: Yes, but that specific one note before the actual song starts. It's, I, just, I just I was so fortunate I remember the Beatles existed.
0: Oh, did you know this September it will have been 10 years since their music was made available on digital formats?
1: God, I remember that being such a thing.
0: That was a thing. People were very excited. And then, like, Rock Band Beatles came out,
1: which I own. Oh, that well, that was a great thing. They, they, they yeah. spent a lot of time making all the background visualizations you don't look at because you have to track the Skittles look yes. really cool. <laughs> God bless them. God bless them. God bless them for continuing to make tracks for Rock Band 2, or Rock Band 4. Are they still? <laughs> they finally got BTO on there. Oh my goodness. They've taken
0: care of some business.
1: That's, of course, the BTO song they got.
0: Name two others. Uh,
1: no Sugar Tonight, and... Um, you ain't seen nothing yet? Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Wait, was No Sugar Tonight BTO, or... Uh... Ooh, good question. Yeah. Which Randy Bachman the group was this song from?
1: Oh, No Sugar Tonight was the guess who. What who was it? No, No Sugar Tonight was the guess who. Not. Who was it? The band on first.
0: <laughs> what yeah. is the name of the Canadian of the iconic Canadian seventies
1: alt rock group? Who's guess on? Who? Who's on stage? Yes. No, yes is on next. The band <laughs> The band. No, the band's on later. Ha <laughs>
0: ha. Okay, well, who's closing the night? Rush. I, who's closing the night? Rush. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside.
1: Thank you for listening. I Thought They Smelled Bad On The Outside is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0, unported, international license. Visit our website, sbopodcast.com, for more episodes, contact information, social media links... And if you could be so kind as to, please subscribe and rate our show on your podcasting app of choice.